Hello, this is Emily Mendes-Dadian, and you're listening to EDU's podcast. Today, you will hear my conversation with Dr. Ulrich Gero of the European Democracy Lab. This interview is broken into two parts. In the first part, we will discuss the crucial role of parliaments in bringing legitimacy to the European project. The second part will focus on the idea of developing a European Republic. You are listening to part one, European Parliaments. As you heard off the top, today I'm speaking with... Uh, my name is Ulrike Gero, and I'm the founder and director of the European Democracy Lab. And the reason that I'm speaking with Dr. Gero is to learn more about her project, the European Democracy Lab. The idea to create this lab uh, less than a year ago, it's a very recent project, uh, is to really focus on European democracy and to rethink European democracy because it's, uh, we are living in the conviction that Europe is now nearly fully integrated in economic and monetary terms. But what we are lacking behind with is democratic and social um, integration. And so we wanted to look at uh, new forms of European parliamentarism so as to make the, union, the European Union, the political project, more democratic and more social. And the, uh, the idea is, and this is also a very important flagship idea, is to say that if we want to create a political entity on this continent, it needs to be based on the principle of political equality for all citizens. And so that's the mission statement of the lab. And under this roof, we have placed a couple of various and different projects to work intellectually, but also in very practical terms uh, on these issues and to look at uh, bits and pieces of how to rethink European democracy. In order to understand the European Democracy Lab's parliamentary project, Dr. Gero gives a good explanation of the problems with European democracy. So I thought I would start there. I mean, our mission statement is that um, we should uh, strive for moving the European Union towards uh, parliamentarism or the Eurozone, at least let's talk about the Eurozone, to parliamentarism, which is based on Montesquieu's uh, principle of division of power, which is a different parliamentarian setting than the current we have, which is the trilogy between the um, European Commission, the Parliament and um, the Council, which is intuitively not um, accessible to many people. I know that sounds complicated but let's hear her break it down. Well, um, I think that, the, I mean, first there is uh, there, there, there are a couple of, say, normative things in democracy theory, which is that a parliament, for instance, should have the right to do the legislative process, which is not the case for the European Parliament, which is why you have all these complaints about the European Parliament being not a real democratic parliament. The second is that we do not have a system in the EU that resembles in intuitive ways uh, what people understand of um, a democracy, which is, you know, that they vote and that the body they voted for, in this case the European Parliament, elects a government. Because as we know, the European Commission is not a government and also the commissioners are designed by the uh, European Council. So we have, uh, in, in essence, we, we are lacking precisely this. We are lacking a parliament democratic structure in which people, the sovereign, have the feeling that they vote for their electoral body and that out of that electoral body, a, a government is uh, constituted. 
A little bit of explanation in case you are not fluent in European procedure. In her first point, Dr. Giraud says that the Parliament does not have the right to the legislative process. She's referring to the fact that the European Parliament does not propose new legislation. Instead, they can only amend, accept, or reject legislation proposed by the European Commission. In her second point, Dr. Giraud asserts that the roles and processes of the European Commission, Parliament, and Council are complicated. To give you another example, the Commission, which proposes the legislation, is led by a president who is approved by the European Parliament but proposed by the member states. It's okay if that doesn't mean much to you. These processes do not follow the patterns of power relations in most national governments, particularly when it comes to the Parliament, the only directly elected body of the European Union. Such a situation alienates citizens from European-level decision-making. In a way, people know that there's not so much dependent from the Parliament because this Parliament doesn't design a government. Also, the European Parliament in the trilogy, in many respects, does not function in the classical terms of, say, opposition uh, government scheme, which is that, uh, um, you know, you can outvote a government, you can uh, do opposition work because European Parliament uh, most of the time votes in grand coalition settings, which uh, they need to, because the structure of the trilogy is more an institutional game between the European Parliament and the European Council and always when the European Parliament wants to outvote or overvote uh, a vote of the Council, they need 70% two-third majority. But this is um, basically institutional inertia which drives the trilogy more into grand coalition settings than into opposition settings. Yeah, And I think people resent that they're that that, um, uh, that the European sort of democracy or the European parliamentarism doesn't work in the way that they are familiar with, uh, with, which is there is a party which wants X, there's another party which wants Y, and sometimes the one party rules and sometimes the other. And all these features could be uh, changed if we were to decide or if we were willing um, to envisage shifting the current European trilogy system towards what I call or not I, uh, what the, the democracy theory calls full-fledged parliamentarism, which is division of power, which is the Montesquieu principle. The parliament, in order to overrule the commission, needs a 70% majority, which forces the parliamentarians into creating blocs that will vote together, rather than groups that will oppose one another, as they do in other parliaments. So, in order to fix this, we need a legislative body that controls the executive body, Part of doing that, though, means eliminating the doubling of functions on the national and European level. What I also want to overcome with our project at the lab is that we stop playing national parliamentarians against the European level. Because what we do is basically a doubling of functions. We do have these national parliaments and the European parliament, and the cooperation between the two levels of parliamentarisms are basically not non-existing, that's too sharp, but uh, um, not really existing. Now, they exist always and exclusively on the level of um, the uh, European Affairs Committees of the National Parliaments. These committees are highly interconnected with the European Parliament and with Brussels, but all the other national committees, you know, like any uh, committee on health affairs in the German, Italian or Finnish Parliament, uh, is basically not... Um, um, 
uh, channeling any European work. Yeah? But this leads to a doubling of levels of parliamentarism. And the idea or the necessity, if we want to create a political unity in, in, in Europe, would need to be that we build a strong legislative body which controls an executive body. And we don't get there if we play it vertical and if we always have an arm wrestling, whether or not the EP is more important than the national parliament. What we would need to do is to cross these legitimate, uh, these two parliamentary levels and to build something what uh, science calls cross-legitimacy. So rather than arguing which parliamentarian level is the more important one, it would be better, in my opinion, to think about um, how to cross the two or to intertwine the national and the European parliamentarian levels. I do actually think we cannot renounce on the national parliamentarian level because they provide a huge amount of legitimacy, input legitimacy, so that's the wrong idea. But we would need to cross-fertilize and to basically um, intertwine these two levels and to build a strong legislative body. Okay, time for a recap. The European Parliament is weak and confusing to citizens because it doesn't follow the same rules as national parliaments. In order to make it more understandable, we should look to the models set by national parliaments. But we don't need two parliaments, national and European, to do the same things. Sounds reasonable enough, no? This brings me to European Democracy Lab's flagship project. Go with interviews into national parliaments. Um, and question national parliamentarians about their vision of European democracy. We have been doing this already in Berlin and Paris. We will be doing it in Finland and in Ljubljana and then also in Portugal and in Spain and in the Netherlands. And then we will be able to do a sort of comparative study. Uh, what, uh, if you question national MPs on European democracy, do they come to the same conclusions or not? Is there cultural convergence? And this is interesting because if we think that we need to have a political entity on a European level, it's very interesting to give ownership to national MPs. But it's also very interesting um, what we want to, to see in a year's time, um, whether national MPs from different cultural and country backgrounds come to the same ideas of how European democracy should be designed. Then we can say, look, if you pose the same questions to a German or a French or a Portuguese or a Dutch or a Finnish parliamentarian, um, do they come up with the same answers? Which is the, that, that would be the interesting question. Does a Finnish MP, does a Portuguese MP, do they have the same idea in head when it comes to designing European democracy? Or do the French want different things, you know, different things in terms of, uh, um, how important is the president? How important is the parliament? You know, I mean, you have always historical, um, uh, inertia in how you, for, for instance, in Denmark, uh, a constitutional court is not really important in Germany. It is right. So we want to we want to look at these uh, historical and traditional and cultural differences when it comes to how do we conceive democracy. Not only is it possible that we Europeans have different expectations of our parliaments, but it could be used to address coordination between European and national parliaments. Dr. Giraud suggests that coordinating through an interparliamentary assembly or conference, as is currently the case, is perhaps not the best way to stimulate cooperation between European and national parliaments. European Parliament, because our main goal is to connect the European Parliament with the day-to-day -day level of the national parliaments. 
and it fits into this process which is ongoing because there is a very formal process on article uh, on, on protocol 13 uh, Lisbon treaty which is about this interparliamentary assembly in economic and social affairs and we feel that the national parliamentarians are really not enthusiastic about doing this interparliamentarian work together yeah because everybody every they are anyway so busy they have their own agenda so it's just another layer of work but also honestly speaking we want to test out whether this is the good idea i'm personally not convinced that now that creating a sort of third body which is the interparliamentarian assembly of national parliament and to add that complexity to a already complex european system would be the solution. So we also want to work on, you know, on, on these questions and perhaps demonstrating that this Article 13 is perhaps the wrong direction in which we are thinking. Perhaps the solution is not to create an, in, an additional interparliamentarian assembly or to, you know, to uh, to empower the COSAC, yeah, which is the um, representation of um, the, the, the national parliament in Brussels. So we, this is a little bit question mark and, and open, but uh, it's a little bit like um, posing the right questions, yeah, and perhaps putting into questions uh, ways that the system has already chosen to provide answers. And um, so that is, I think, our flagship project. That was Ulrich Gero of the European Democracy Lab. You can find a link to more information at our website, democraticunion.eu, where you can also check out the second part of this series, European Republic. Republic.